for the Dreams of Children podcast series from Connie Maxwell Children's Ministries, featuring President Danny Nicholson. This series exists to bring to light stories of children and families. Okay, well, I'm glad to be here another day and to be serving the Lord and children, and we have a very, very special guest today for the Dreams of Children podcast. I am excited uh, to have my friend Albert Allen here, who's the pastor of First Baptist Church in Newberry and, of course, a leader in our convention. Uh, I think, Albert, you are president-elect. That's right. For the convention, mm-hmm. Which means you're lined up for the presidency. If, if nothing happens between now and next Tuesday evening, at the conclusion, when Wayne Bray gavels that session out, then I become president. He'll hand it to that's you. That's right. That's when you know. That's when I get the limousine and the bodyguard and <laughs> well, that'll and, be a, Camp David and all this. That'll be a full year, man. It will. I mean, I guarantee you, you'll be you'll be very very busy. Tell tell me tell me about uh, just just give give our, um, um, our our audience that's listening give them an idea of who you are. Uh, there might be somebody listening that doesn't know your background or that know how, how you ascended to these leadership positions in the convention and just talk a little bit about your who you are. Okay. I was born and raised in Columbia, like a lot of folks, and uh, had a very blessed upbringing in a Christian home where uh, my, this, this is just straight up honest, okay? Sure. My dad wasn't in church, but my mother saw to it that my sisters and I were in church on a regular basis. Thank God for moms. Praise God for, God for moms, moms. And, and mine in particular. What a wonderful, godly lady. Mm. And um, so hearing the gospel at home and in Sunday school and when I would happen to pay attention in a worship service, which was <laughs> rare, um, somehow the Spirit of God got a hold of me and mm. convicted me that I was a sinner. I need to be saved. Mm. And so... I was. Uh, God saved me. How old were you then? I was 11 years old. 11 it years was old. in June of 1972, so that means I'm 61 right now. And my birthday's next week. so uh, We're in the I'm same we're in the same category, yeah. And so um lived uh, in suburban Columbia and had a very typical childhood, except that I knew Jesus. I didn't pay him much mind sometimes. Sure. But uh, I guess my social influence, my social circle was primarily my church, my student, my, my youth group. Mm-hmm. I had friends at school and friends in the neighborhood. But the the real influential people in my life were people in, in my church. And, uh, and in particular, the the pastors, I always looked up to the pastors for sure. whatever reason. But uh, the lay people, I mean, you, you might ask me something about other people of influence later. I'll get to that, so I won't go there Good now. Idea. So, um Went to Spring Valley High School, Northeast Columbia, and uh, stayed home in Columbia to go to college. So I went to Carolina. Right. And, um, so you are a Gamecock. I'm a Gamecock, for better or well, for worse. Well, they won. They beat Vandy this weekend, so they you did. have something to— I do. Something to be <laughs> thankful for. You know, nobody told me when I became a Carolina fan that I would also be a pastor having to preach on Sundays after numerous Gamecock losses, and that is not an easy thing to do. Humble. Particularly when our our wonderful, delightful brethren in Orange um, turn out in numbers uh, in your church when you, they know you're a Gamecock. And so you you have to, you know, bring the word, even though you're looking at all this orange, looking back at you, it's terrible. But anyway, um, but I love those guys very much. So anyway, um, went to Carolina, and uh, my dad was a physician. He wanted me to be a, a physician as well. Mm-hmm. But one semester of biology and calculus convinced mm-hmm. me that I was a man of letters and not of science. Yes. And so uh, I majored in political science. 
which is useless unless you teach political science. And um, then for lack of any other plan, I decided to go to law school. Um, in fact, I, I felt called into ministry while I was an undergrad at Carolina, mm. but I didn't have the courage or the conviction right. to follow through with it. So I, in order to please my dad, my dad was not thrilled that I was not going to be a doctor. Right. But I said, how about if I if I take on another professional, and I'm, I'm for you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes, another professional type of endeavor, would that be good? And he was pleased. And so law school seemed to be the thing. So I went to law school also in Columbia. So I did seven straight years wow. at Carolina. And, um, you know, I think it's important to mention while you're talking about yep. that. I want you to continue because I'm fascinated at your, your journey. But uh, I think it's important just to plant the seed right here. We have something we call dreams initiatives mm-hmm. here. And part of it is that I believe that we have to be excavating in children's lives, watching closely and looking at what they're good at and what mm-hmm. their inclinations are. Yeah. Uh, and then find mentors and people to go around them and help them grow in that. It's amazing to me how many times I hear that we met up to somebody else's vision mm-hmm. of who we were supposed to be, especially dads and stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I I was like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you you're trying to push mm-hmm. and love, but but wouldn't it be great as people listen to this for children who need you, for children who are looking up to you, that we put kind of like our own inclinations and talents on the back burner mm-hmm. when we're trying to understand a child and what they're good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I might be great at football, but this guy might be great in English. Right. Right. And, and we right. need to be sensitive to that. Yeah. I'm just hearing you say mm-hmm. that you kind of took this route because you're young and you're thinking of the yeah. people around you. Well, I went, I'm glad that I did it. Uh, I wouldn't undo it, but I can tell you that going to law school, I was running from God. Right. Um, that sounds dramatic, and you know I don't want to be all dramatic, but no, but you um, know in your heart. You know well, in your heart. I, I I believe that he was calling me to full time ministry pastoring, but I didn't have the nerve or the courage to buck what I knew would be a negative response from my father, and I didn't want to leave home. Sure, I was a homebody extraordinaire. Uh, you just leave me in Columbia for the rest of my life, I'd be happy <laughs> with my same circle of friends and my same home church and all. Sure, but um. So all the stacked up things against me negative wise for leaving doing a ministry won the day. And I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to go to seminary. So uh, law school, dad, how's law school? Law school's great. And so uh, I did three years long. And for the first year, God in his mercy and kindness left me alone and did not bring me any more conviction about ministry, knowing that if I were to be distracted during that first year, I would fail out. I'd fail out. But come year two, he came back. And <laughs> I don't want to say with a vengeance because that's not nice, but he came back over Very and over again, and strong conviction over right. me that, um, yeah, I'll let you go ahead and you do this law school thing, but when you're out, you're mine. But I bet you learned a lot that you exercise today in your ministry. From uh, the school, yeah, from the reading, it, from the writing, from the things that really more um, instead more instead of facts or knowledge, just sort of um, understanding how things work right. <clears throat> and um, understanding the systems and um, gaining confidence in interacting with people who might otherwise be and tend to be intimidating. So uh, that that law school journey was preparation for ministry. Yes. I, I had no idea that it would be. It was. I, I, I graduated, and another evidence of God's mercy is I passed the bar exam. I was working in a law firm in West Columbia with some great guys. I was the junior guy under the totem pole, the new lawyer, and um, so 
you take the bar exam in the summer, and, and at least in those days, I don't know how it is now, it took them months to grade those exams. And so you take the bar exam, you go to work for the law firm, you're not a lawyer yet, so you're just doing all the junior flunky stuff. And and then come middle of the fall, it was in November, the bar results are finished. And the state office, the, I guess the, the bar office in the Supreme Court, they, they call all the people that took the exam and they, they give you the news over the phone. Oh, man. And so uh, I got the news on a Wednesday that I had passed the bar exam. Wow. And <laughs> I was flying high, riding high, so excited. That was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Two days later, I go on a retreat with my church. Um, the singles group. You know, I don't know if they don't call them that anymore, but they used to have singles, singles ministry, right? right? Well, I agreed with some friends. I will go on a singles retreat. Okay. If y'all will shut up and leave me alone, I'll go. <laughs> well, our new, our new pastor at that point, um, was Wendell E. Stepp. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Sure. Wendell had been there for, uh, a matter of months and he spoke that night mm. on knowing and doing the will of God. Wow. So I enjoyed having passed the bar for two days. And then God came back to me and would not let go. And mm. over the next few months, I made all the arrangements and I resigned from the law firm and um, went to Fort Worth to seminary, which is way too much time spent on that one thing. So, no, but um, I think I think you can you know you can <clears throat> you know our lives are our testimony and they're 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 the working of God mm-hmm. and who you are now. That's yeah. part of it. You know those decisions were were part of it. Do you remember the first time? You preached, and your daddy was in the your daddy was in the congregation. Um, I do, and his major his big fear was that at the end of the service, the pastor was going to make everybody stand up and hold hands. He, <laughs> he he would run screaming from the room if if he thought it. So yeah, dad. Um, My dad was like that too. By the way, listen. So I get that when when I when I made the decision to leave the law firm and to go to seminary. Telling my dad was the hardest part of right. all that. And um, he had a, a, and I love him. He's left this lie. He's going to be with Jesus. Praise right. God. He was yes. saved and he's with the Lord. So I don't, I'm not, I don't want to pick on him when he can't defend himself. Sure. But um, when I talked with him on the phone, his reaction was along the lines of, you need a psychiatrist. You've got problems. I failed you. Right. I let your mother take you and your sisters off to church too much when you're growing up. And so it's like, okay. So uh, that was huge. That was hard. It was sure. awful. But, um, Three years in the seminary and done, and then uh, I'm preaching somewhere. I don't know where Dad comes to it. He doesn't tell me. He's coming. But he, no, he, I knew he was going to be there. He doesn't tell me this, but he tells his best friend who told me that Dad said to him, Albert made the right decision. And eventually he told me that. But it came through somebody else. Uh, and so dad got to a very good place with me being in ministry. Praise God for that. Yeah. Well, so. you know, so this is totally about for the dreams of children. This this mm-hmm. is totally about loving children um, through Jesus. Because the story you're telling, everybody has mm-hmm. our story like that. You know, it might be a little different here, <clears throat> a little different there. But sooner or later... You have to step out. And when you step out in boldness and faith and what God wants you to do, usually he'll bring people to support you around you or he'll change other people's lives and things. And it sounds like to me it's a beautiful story of how it probably ministered to your father, Albert, that you became Mm -hmm. a a pastor and that 
He was influenced by I think life. Eventually, it got there, but it was it took not it up all, front. Not up front. <laughs> and so uh, I did three years in Fort Worth at Southwestern Seminary. Graduated, and I came back to Pastor Willow Swamp Baptist Willow Church. Willow Swamp. Now that's an old church. I've been out there. That thing's like eighteen hundred. Well, the, the building is uh, is from the twentieth century, like the nineteen twenties. But the church as an entity has been there since eighteen oh five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm talking old. Yeah, I mean, I preached our two hundredth anniversary, and that was in that was in two thousand and five. That church reminds me of like like Charleston, you know, mm-hmm. like First Baptist Church, like yeah, old. Oh, like, it's a beautiful facility. Oh, it's it's amazing. It, it was a it was um it's a jewel just. Coming up out of the cotton fields, you can't believe that building is out there on that road. But and it's round. You know, yeah, it's it. They were they were ahead of their time. The saint, the seating of the sanctuary was rounded or you know semicircle with a sloped floor. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's like they thought of that. They were two generations before everybody else thought of that. It was it was, it's a beautiful yeah. church. So um, when I uh, so you're in Baptist life, mm-hmm. you're a leader. You. Um, have done wonderful things because you wouldn't be present next year if you hadn't. And people are looking forward. Uh, you taking the gavel from Wayne and, and carrying on. What is your, what is your, are you ready yet to say what your word and direction is next year for, for the, conve- for the convention? I know you have to kind of choose uh, a yeah. lane. Uh, yeah, I'm ready, but I, I, I would, I'll just tell you what it is and not get into it very much. Sure. So, uh, the theme for the year that I have the honor of print. By the way, I don't know how this happened to me. This is God's sense God's of humor. Stuff, right? He's playing a joke on the state commission. <laughs> but uh, the theme that he, I believe, has led me to is let's go. That's good. For Wayne, God led him to wake up. Right. And for me, now that we woke up, let's That's go. It. And it's, it's, um, it's a heavy missions theme. And I, I look forward to developing that over the year and revealing that. And then the annual meeting that is currently being planned in, in initial stages for 23, right. the meeting I'll have the honor of presiding over, um, I've already been able to line up some of the speakers and they're, I'm going to say they're heavy hitters in, in Southern Baptist Missions life. Beautiful. And some that are on the radar, but a couple that are on the radar that are going to really move hearts. Well, as a mission institution, we want to be behind you. We want to work close with you. If there's something you need from Connie Maxwell, all you got to do is pick up the call. I appreciate call that. me, and we'll be behind you to support yes, you in any way we can. What do you think about when you think of Connie Maxwell? What do you think? Uh, about? Well, uh, Connie Maxwell, uh, growing up in Southern Baptist, South Carolina Baptist life, and uh, then kind of moving in these circles all these years, I always heard about Connie Maxwell. And always knew about Connie Maxwell. And back when the Baptist Courier was, they, it came every what every week, every two weeks. Oh, it, was, yeah. it was actual paper. Yeah. You, you couldn't read an, an edition or an issue of the Courier without running into Connie Maxwell somewhere in those pages. So I knew about it. Um, when I was, I believe, when I was pastor of either Willow Swamp or White Oak Baptist Church in Greenville, mm. uh, the senior adult group came over here. So today was the second time I've been uh, in the church. But anyway, uh, when I think of Connie Maxwell, I I think of a a handful of people. Mm. Um, And I mentioned one in the devotional this morning, Mm -hmm. uh, Calvin Falconberry, Mm. 
who uh, and he's in the, cut of the same cloth of Truman Falaw, who was a longtime trustee here. Some of your listeners may or may not know, but Truman Falaw and Calvin Falkenbeer were two laymen in the church that I grew up in, my home church, First Baptist Columbia. And I knew them because I was friends with their sons. Both of those guys had sons. And so, friends, in fact, one of Calvin Falkenberry's sons was my roommate in college uh, in a house, not in a, not a dorm, but in a house. And uh, Calvin's other son is lives in Newberry. And so I, I knew these laymen in my church who were so influential. Mm-hmm. And I knew that True, I can't call these people by their first name. Mr. Falaw. Mr. Falaw. I knew that Mr. Falaw had something with Connie Maxwell. Right. Uh, and I knew that Mr. Falkenberry had, I don't know what the right way to say this, is he he was here for part of his childhood. Right. And um, there, have, there are no uh, laymen that I've ever known in my life who were more influential and godly mm. than those two guys, mm. both of whom had a close association with Connie Maxwell. They made a big difference. They, well, in fact, the pictures of them are in this room. We're talking right now. Yeah. The pictures are hanging. I see Truman room. over there, over there, and over there, and over there. And um, But interestingly, the contrast is you won't find Calvin Falkenberry's picture around here mm. because he was not uh, in, I don't think he was, I didn't look on this long list over here. This, these he was plaques. a product. But he was, that's right, a product of the Connie Maxwell. So what he gained here impacted him and his uh, family and the church in which he has been an influential layman for decades and decades. And so for Connie Maxwell, for me, I don't, what I think of is I think of long-term impact. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the the, the children, and I don't know nearly enough about Connie Maxwell. I want to learn. Sure. This year, yeah. and by the way, that goes the phone goes both ways. Okay. As president, if I can help you, let me know. Thank you. But I, I, I can't help you. Yeah, you guys, you, you God's helping y'all. Y'all need me. But <laughs> um, just to think of the children, young people come through here for a season, mm-hmm. however long that is. What What is the average? Stay? Well, you know, it, it's really gotten different in the past. They stay a lot longer. Society has changed in mm-hmm. such a way that we have. Kids that will come in and out, you know, probably three years like mm-hmm. on an average now. It used yeah. to be 10. Yeah. You know, they'd stay their whole lives. So, but now it's more of a, and which sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not, but right. it is, it is a shorter time frame. You have more now people, not orphans, but people who, of course, started in the 50s, 60s, you know, having the deterioration of the family. Mm-hmm. So you had broken things yeah. and we had to be here for that instead mm-hmm. of not having a family at all. So yeah. it's different, but. Probably overall, it would be around three years if, okay. if you if you an average. So what I think of when I think of Connie Maxwell is, let's say those three years on average, uh, the the course correction that happens in so many of those lives mm-hmm. and the trajectories that change because of the time they spent in this ministry and how. You, you guys won't, be, I won't, we won't be around to see these guys that are here for three years now in 50 years to see what in, kingdom impact they're having. And so Connie Maxwell has an impact, direct, immediate impact on those lives here. But when you multiply that yeah. by the influence those who have, who especially those who leave here and they're following Jesus yes. and they get it and they become kingdom minded, yes. the, the multiplier there is incalculable. It's huge. Everywhere I go, honest to goodness. And I, I was, you know, at different places, kind of larger universities in, in state, Winthrop and Medical University and places of a larger nature. And they're old too, right? Mm-hmm. 
But I've got to tell you, I mean, I, and I don't mean this any way. I love Winthrop. I love Medical University. I loved all those. But this place is so much deeper in its mm-hmm. connection to yeah. anywhere I go. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. Barbershop, yeah. grocery right. store. It, uh, yeah. Somebody is going to stop me and say, you changed my mother's mm-hmm. life. I was in Florence the other weekend uh, speaking, and the guy came up to me afterwards. He said, you know, I'm here tonight. And I said, no, he says, because of my mother. He said, you know why my children go to church today, right? He said, because of me. He said, do you know why my mother went to church? And I said, no. He said, she was a kind of mm-hmm. Yeah. He said, you make generational mm-hmm. impact in families' lives. And that that is just so rewarding. I do teach second grade Sunday school. That's my, I'm an assistant in the nice. second grade Sunday school class. That's perfect. And I love it. And uh, every morning when I'm sitting down there, I might cry now because I'm just telling you, this moves me to no end. And the older I get, the more I depend on it. I'm sitting there and I'm listening to somebody read the scriptures and I look at the faces of the children. Mm-hmm. And I think that's being put in their, their suitcase. Yeah. The, the word of God, which I'm promised, will not come back void. That's right. Is being proclaimed to those children. And I'm just thinking it's there to stay. Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. I just want to listen to it, you know, happening in their lives. Well, you know, you you either used the word seed just now, or maybe I had it in mind already. But the idea was there, planting the seed. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, you know this. I mean, the word the the word the term seminary right. is like seedbed. Mm. This is a Connie Maxwell seminary. I love that. You know? And so you, it's not formal classroom uh, teaching and uh, pedagogy and all that kind of stuff, but this is a seedbed if ever there were one or was one or is one or will be one, it's right here. I love that. And so. I love that. In fact, I think I'd call this episode the seedbed. I mean, you know, it's beautiful. Last, uh, but not least, this is always fun part of the, of the uh, interview because you've got to go. You've got duties to take care of today as a pastor, and we appreciate the um, generous amount of time you've given us. And uh, I feel like I know you better, and I love that uh, about these things. But if there was one word, you know, um, like I just love doing this. I love challenging people. So well, what if there was one word that you could associate in your mind and heart and spirit with Connie Maxwell, what would it be and why? Can it be two words joined together by a hyphen? Yes, it can. Okay. Safe place. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's what I think of. Mm. For people who desperately need safety. Safe place. Yeah. You know, you can never really dream if you don't feel safe. That's right. You can never really, you know, um, if you're always, if you're always scared you know, one of the things we're planning on doing is looking at trauma in the future in a deep, deep way. And we want to, you know, we want to learn. Jesus is the center. Jesus is the foundation. But we've learned a lot, Albert, about the mind and, um, you know, brokenness and trauma and how that prevents people from dreaming and prevents people from having a life that's that's whole. So we've, we've you know, going down this, going down this trail so we try to learn more mm-hmm. about some of those things. And um, you, you'd be surprised at how many kids that are just scared. They're broken. They're scared. They don't feel safe. It's in their heads. Well, fear and insecurity stunt growth. Mm. They, they constrict, I don't know, they constrict your spirit. Yes. And you can't, you can't be who God made you to be. 
Well, we got, we got, um, I didn't ever knew this. Did you know we have relational neurons? You know, they've been able to tell now in the brain that there are actually neurons that are relationally, uh, foundational for them are relational by the particular activities that happen. So, so there's so much. I mean, God was fascinatingly creative. You got a double dose, by the way. Oh, the, yeah. the relational neurons. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I, I think you I did. I think I did, man. I might have lost that on another part. You know, <laughs> right, they have to right. depend on other people. But I think, I think, I think we're made in such a way. So this is interesting, and we'll we'll head on here because I love safe place and I love finishing on that. But if we were created in the image of God, and God is relationship. Like, if the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son had been relating forever, mm-hmm. like this, this interaction, right? And then, and then Jesus, the Spirit, comes to live in us, and we're created in the image of God, mm-hmm. then why wouldn't relationships be what heals us? Well, it's certainly the relationship with Him that, that brings the healing. And the new life. Yeah. I mean, we were obviously made in his image, made for relationship. What kills me and should kill all of us, uh, I'm not, we, you're there too, is the the unreached, unavailable potential. But mm-hmm. We're made, it's like um, a fancy fact with the, I don't know where Maserati, where's Maserati made? Is that Italy? <laughs> okay. All right, so it's like having a $300,000 Maserati built and put out there and it's yours but you don't have a key you can't get in it yeah, and wow. so you 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 have all this capability it's just sitting potential. there it's ready to go the potential is ready and awesome and wonderful but uh you if you can't get in it you can't can't go anywhere. you can't experience it it might as well be a covered wagon or a radio flyer you well, know? It's, a, it's a beautiful analogy and what we're really trying to do is help our our uh um so Kintsugi is like a Japanese term um, of art. And it happened a long, 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 long time ago where somebody broke something and they wanted to put it back together. And so they used gold to, to put back and bring it back together. Now, so the broken pieces are put together and they use gold. It becomes more valuable and stronger after it's fixed. Mm-hmm. Than if it had never been broken in the first place. So we have yeah. Kintsugi ministry here. Oh, that's nice. I've never heard of that. Right. Thank you for that. Isn't that good? Yeah. It's going to show up in a sermon in Newberry. Yeah, go look it up. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really, it's a, it's a fine. In fact, Kirk Thompson, one of the great guys in trauma, Christian mm-hmm. life uh, in trauma, wrote a book. Uh, I think it's called Soul Desire, but it's in there and it tells the history and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but when you said Maserati, I thought, yeah, that's it's a Kintsugi yeah. ministry. Thank you for yes, being sir. with us. God bless you. Again, call on us if we can help you. This is Danny Nicholson with the For the Dreams of Children podcast, enjoying the fellowship and wonderful friendship of Albert Allen, pastor of First Baptist Newberry, and we wish him nothing but God's peace and continued productivity in his life as he changes things for the kingdom of God. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. God bless. Love you, man. Thank you. I love you, man. Thank you for listening to our For the Dreams of Children podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at ConnieMaxwell.com.